0: I'm speaking this morning on the subject of uh, something that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and also 1 Kings 19. Father, anoint your word. Circumcise our ears to hear what it is the Spirit wants to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I've titled the message, I Came With a Demonstration. The Spirit's power. I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Uh, It's taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it's Paul speaking or actually writing to the believers at Corinth about what he was feeling when he came to them. And I want to read it to you. Uh, I'm going to read verse 1, verses 3 through 4, and then verses 9 through 11. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Now I'm jumping down to verse 3. I came to you. There's that word again. First he says this is how he came to you. Now he's saying it again. I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with the wise and persuasive words, But what were they? I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Just Let that soak for a while. I'm going to jump down to verse 9 now. However, it is written, no eye has seen nor ear heard, he's talking about in the physical dimension, Nor mind has conceived, now he's talking about the solical dimension, what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, in a moment of deep revelation, Paul shrinks all of that down into a very concise passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20. And he says it simply this way. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. That sort of undoes the paradigm of uh, sermons being the center of all of our worship gatherings, doesn't it? The kingdom of God is not in word. But it's in power. And Paul says it's in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. In the church today, we need demonstrations of the Spirit's power, not words' power. Now, it's our right to have scholars and philosophers among us and those that have human wisdom. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But in the end, Paul actually writes in the chapter before 1 Corinthians 2, he says, Give me the weak. Give me the foolish. I'll empower them with the Spirit, and they're the ones that will speak to you. Give me the weak, give me the foolish. It reminded me of an actual story that happened with a friend of mine, Brian Sawyer, who is a missions pastor for a denomination. And uh, it, it, this happened in Edenton, North Carolina. Uh, he travels all over the world, and oftentimes he'll stop and get a subway sandwich at this one particular place in his town in North Carolina. And uh, he'd been there so many times, he was familiar with the, the man or the young man in his early 20s that was behind the counter. And uh, he walked in this one particular day, and he said uh, to him, hi, the man behind the counter, hi, Brian, how you doing? Uh, where have you been? Uh, what, what, what are you talking about right now? Because he knew he was a preacher, and he says, well, I'm just telling everybody that Jesus loves them and cares about them. And uh, sometimes I hear from God and give him a word from the Lord, and he says, well, that's cool, dude. And uh, so he gets his buffalo chicken sandwich, and then he goes and he sits down at a table across from a young lady who's also in her mid-20s, early mid-20s, who happens to be the girlfriend of the guy behind the counter. And she's been overhearing this whole conversation. And so uh, the woman starts the conversation as Brian starts to eat his sandwich and says, so what is it you really do? And he says, he gave her a quick rundown of, what he does he travels and he speaks about Jesus and uh, sometimes he hears from God and she says well it's interesting that you would say that because just the other day I was driving home and she said I normally go one way I always go one way and I just felt an impression to turn and go a different direction which I did and then I found out there's a major accident at this intersection where I would have been right at that time she said do you think that could have been God And he says, well, I don't know. God leads us and guides and directs us. That very well could have been him. And uh, so while he's talking to her, he sees a picture. And so he says, you know, it's a funny thing. While we're visiting, I've just seen a picture. And superimposed in front of you is a birthday cake with candles burning. Does that mean anything to you? And her eyes open big as saucers, and her jaw drops open. She says, oh, my gosh, today's my brother's birthday, and I am on my way to buy him a birthday cake when I finish this sandwich. And encouraged by that, he says, well, I saw something else, too. He said, I saw an elderly woman lying down with her eyes closed. She'd been very sick, Um, and I think that she meant a whole lot to you. And the young woman began to tear up and weep. In fact, she excused herself, and as she was getting up, she says, that was my grandmother. She just passed away this week. She went to the restroom, (coughs) got her composure, and she came back and sat down. And she says, sir, I have some questions for you. She said, "Um, sounds to me like God really speaks to you. She said, do you think it matters to God that I'm stealing women's underwear from the store in the strip mall down the street? And she's dead serious. She's not a Christian. And Brian didn't want to condemn her. And so he said to her, he said, "Um, you know, God cares about our needs. He's a great provider. And if you're short on money, he'll supply everything you want. You don't need to steal. Uh, God can take care of you without that. And uh, so he opened his wallet and he took out $20 and he gave it to her. And she says, oh, no, I can't take that. I didn't ask for that reason. He says, You're not taking anything. I'm giving this to you. This is to help you with your needs. And so she said, I have another question for you. Uh, She said, my boyfriend and I, behind the counter here, we really, really, really want to have a child. Now, they're not married. She said, we really, really, really want to have a child. And we've been trying hard, but we just don't have a baby. She says, what do you think about that? and he didn't want to lecture her he didn't want to condemn her and so he said to her something like uh, and i've got the stories here in the book and he said to her that um, god knew that she wanted to have a child and that if she could picture in her mind a bow and arrow target a, t- a bow and arrow target on a shooting range she said what you and your boyfriend are trying to do is You're either missing the target or you're hitting the outer perimeter of the target. He said, God would want you to hit the bullseye. He wants to show his favor to you. And the way to hit the bullseye is to to marry your boyfriend first. And uh, then he'll bless your union and God will give you children. And she says, thank you. That really means a lot to me. And so they bid each other farewell. And the story picks up three or four years later, 30 miles away in elizabeth city north carolina where brian the pentecostal missions director is standing in line at a walmart store and he gets a tap on the shoulder he turns around and here is a woman with two children in the cart and she's pregnant with a third and the woman says i think i remember you are you the man that told me i shouldn't be stealing underwear from the strip mall and he, you know, he gives these words from the Lord. He hears God's voice. And so, so he says, well, I'm not sure. And then what now is her husband walks up standing beside her. And he says, oh, yes, I remember that. I remember that very well. And she says, you know, you changed my life that day. She said, we got married and we have children. And uh, we're so glad that you spoke God's word to us. He said, have you found a church yet? And she says, no, but we've been thinking about that and we're looking. And he says, well, I hope you'll try my church just two miles down the road at Living Fountain Center. So God speaks through pictures. God, we heard from Sandy, God speaks through his word. God speaks to us so many different ways and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And he doesn't, always want to speak to us just through words. he wants to speak by the demonstration of his spirit's power, which is what happened in that subway store. a demonstration of the spirit's power. Now I want to go back to first Kings and talk a little bit about Elijah when he faced off with Ahab and the wicked nation of Israel. Uh, we've talked about that several times before, not recently but in the past so I know you know the story. Um, the background is that Elijah is just coming off a mountaintop experience in 1 Kings 18. And when I say mountaintop, I'm talking about literally because he was on Mount Carmel, but it also was a mountaintop experience in the Lord. Uh, Israel, under wicked king Ahab, they'd had drought for three years. It was a terrible famine in the land. Ahab was just about as wicked as any of the kings of Israel were. He had turned to everybody uh, from God Jehovah to worship Baal. His wife Jezebel was literally killing the prophets of the Lord. Things could not have been worse. Idolatry was everywhere. They were breaking the first commandment that God gave Elijah, uh, that God gave Moses on Mount Horeb. And so Elijah challenged Ahab and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah uh, to a contest, if you will, a contest of the gods, Baal versus Jehovah. It says in 1 Kings 18.21 that Elijah just said to him, you know, why are you halting between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If Baal is Baal, serve him. But make up your mind. So Elijah calls this contest together. Uh, Each is to build an altar. There's going to be no fire. And Elijah says, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now, I want you to notice this isn't a preaching contest. Uh, When we were in Bible college, Uh, We did that. We had preaching contests, and they gave awards, actually. That's that's true. Because when you're in Bible college or seminary, they they want, you know, you hear these lectures about preaching, and then you're supposed to actually practice it and preach. Some of our assignments included going out to small churches. Big churches wouldn't have the students yet. But you'd go out to these small churches, and, and you'd speak for them. This was not a preaching contest. This wasn't about words. This was a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So miraculous and majestic did the Lord show up so powerfully did He win the day that the people fell prostrate on their face. And two times they cried out, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then this three-year drought that they had, the skies grew black and the wind began to blow, a heavy rain fell, and it ended the drought and the famine. Now, I had intended to read to you all of 1 Kings 19, 1 through 15. That's 15 verses. But because of the time it is, I'm just going to quickly tell you that uh, Jezebel, when she heard what Elijah had done, uh, she got angry and she threatened Elijah. Elijah got scared for his life and he started running. He Literally, the Bible says he became afraid and he ran. He took his servant with him and he ran and he went all the way to the desert, and then he left his um, servant in Beersheba, and he went farther, and he went to the mountain of Horab, um, which is a name that's interchangeable with Mount Sinai. If you run into either of those, they basically mean the same place way in the southern part of Israel, almost to the uh, Sinai Peninsula. And uh, there he's having a private pity party. Uh, he's, he's actually... It's pretty serious what he gets into. I want to share with you five arrows from the Satan's quiver about what Elijah is going through. Because I know people get in these moods, these funks. They get depressed. Uh, they, get, they have cave experiences. Uh, and that's what I'm going to call it. It's a cave experience. It's experience in the night. It's darkness around you. And it's hard to get out of sometimes. And here's what you see that Satan did to Elijah when he's off by himself. And it's hard to imagine how such a mighty man of God could fall so fast and so far. Because he's just had this tremendous victory on Mount Carmel. And now it says that he's threatened. He's physically threatened. And that threat produces fear in his life. And the Bible says he's afraid. He's desperate. He's making a hasty decision. He's running for his life now. It says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a a snare. And so we're warned by Paul in Ephesians, be be careful of these darts or these flaming arrows that Satan sends. So being threatened is one, being fearful is one. And then he leaves his servant. And you know, I can understand wanting to be alone with God. There are times when I want to be alone with God. But Aloneness or loneliness can be a crisis in your life. Did you know that the first crisis in humanity was not sin? Everybody goes back to the book of Genesis and said, well, the first crisis in human life was sin. No, it wasn't. The first crisis was loneliness. God said to the man, he says, it's not good that you be alone. It's not good that you be alone. People should not be alone. Uh, There's healing, there's health, but Elijah was all alone, so now he's threatened, he's fearful, he's alone, he gets hopeless, and when you lose hope, you lose everything. You've got to hang on to hope. You, you all have seen those action adventure movies probably where uh, somebody goes over the cliff and they're just barely hanging on with their fingernails or they go off a big tall building and they're barely hanging on with their fingernails and somebody's reaching over the side trying to hold on to them and they're saying, hang on, hang on, reach out and grab my hand. They don't want to let go of what they're letting go of to grab the hand because it's such a desperate situation. When you lose hope, you're hanging on. You're just barely hanging on by your fingernails. So now he's threatened, he's fearful, he's lonely, uh, he's hopeless, and ultimately he's suicidal. Elijah says twice to the Lord, just let me die. Just, I want to die. I've come here to die. That's why I've come here, just to die. How could such a mighty man of God fall so far, so fast? This is a classic battle of soul and spirit. I talked to you about it last week. I shared with you multiple passages where even the, the Greek is different. The Greek is different. The word spirit and the word soul, they're two separate things. Elijah is having this warfare, this conflict in his being to find out where dominion will reside in him. Will his spirit rise and have dominion and rule his circumstances? Or will his soul, his mind, his emotions, and his will pull him down? And he ends up in a cave, and he has this cave experience which, which uh, nobody wants to have. God begins to speak to him, and it says an angel touched him and spoke to him. Now, for most of us, if that happened, that would be the high point of our life. How does God speak? Well, an angel came to him spoke to him and touched him. That would be the high point, but more happened than that. Then it says there was miraculous provision of food. There just food appeared. And then it says, third time, angel touches and speaks to him again. And so he's got God speaking to him through an angel. He's got God speaking to him through miraculous provision of food. But ultimately, the Lord says to him, you know, where are you headed, Elijah? Where are you going? He says, well, he's going to Horeb, the mountain of God. Um, I'm going to skip Exodus 3, 1, Donald. Uh, Moses, on Horeb. That's where Moses received his call. That's where the Ten Commandments were given. That's where water came out of the rock. I mean, this is, he's running to the presence of God. That's where Elijah's going. He's running to the presence of God. Um, He's running to the place where God has moved, where God has spoke. And it says the Lord spoke to him. And we have to ask the question, how did God speak to him? Uh, Was it an audible voice? Was it an impression in his spirit? I know it wasn't to his mind. We talked about that last week. Proverbs twenty twenty seven: The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. God is a spirit. We saw that passage of scripture this morning up on the up on the uh, screens. God's spirit speaks to our spirit, and if you get an impression from His spirit, then it will communicate, and your your mind, your emotions, and your will will partner. Uh, with what the spirit is doing. But, you know, the flip side of that is when the body and the physical senses rule and have dominion, and then the soul mind, that, uh, that solical part of you will partner with the lower part of your being. And, and Elijah's having this classic battle between a rising in dominion in praise, in praise to find the presence of God. Now, Elijah, it says he goes in the cave. And here's what I find interesting. Two different times the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He's not talking about here in Horeb. There's nothing wrong, wrong with running to the presence of God. He said, what are you doing here in the cave? Why are you having this funk? You know, why are you depressed? Why are you so moody right now? It, if we had time, I'd take you to Psalm 42 and 43, where David's spirit is talking to his soul, and his soul talks to his spirit, and they're having this battle. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. He's grabbing his soul, and he's trying to lift it. He's trying to give the spirit dominion in his life so he can, uh, and, and, and so Elijah is in this cave, and he said, what are you doing here in the cave, in this darkness? I just gave you these mighty miracles back on Mount Carmel. Carmel, You're a man of God. You know my voice. You know who I am. You know I'll provide for you. You know I'll stand with you. You know I'll win your victories and your battles for you. What are you doing here? He says, well, I'm the only one left in Israel. I just want to die. Well, you know right there, Andrew, you talked about spirit and truth. Well, that's not truth. At the end of the passage, it says, God says there are 7,000 in Israel that haven't even bowed the knee to Baal yet so Elijah was totally wrong about being alone and nobody else cared but the point is God speaks to him I think it's in verse 11 and he says leave the cave go out get on the mountain in the presence of God I'm about ready to pass by get out of the cave if you're listening to my voice today and you're having a cave experience Remember we said back on October the 2nd, the first message I preached to you, the shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117, it's only two verses. Praise the Lord, exalt the Lord. Talks about his love and his goodness to us because praise is the on-ramp to the presence of God. Start praising me. Start praising me. Start extolling me. Start adoring me. Start worshiping me. Get out of the cave and get over on the mountain and stand in my presence because I'm about ready to pass by. Posture yourself to hear from God. Position yourself to hear his voice. Get in a place where you can listen and praise. Now, for me personally, that means my office with the door closed. Maybe with my baritone uke, worshiping the Lord. Or maybe for me it means going out to the living room and sitting at the piano. And just starting, I don't don't play publicly, I only play for myself and the Lord. But just sitting at the piano and worshiping the Lord. See, Elijah found a place, and then he found the presence, and then he got the promise. Elijah found a place, and in that place, alone with God, he found the presence of the Lord. And that's when God spoke to him, and he heard God's voice. You know, Elijah knew the Lord, and he knew his nature and his attributes never changed. But the Lord was about to test him whether or not God's voice was always the same or not. And since we're talking about hearing God's voice today, um, I want to be sure that you understand that he doesn't say the same thing to all the people all the time. Can I have an amen on that? And let me explain this to you. In the story, it says there was a wind. The wind was so strong it broke and shattered the rocks. But God wasn't in the wind. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. God wasn't in the wind? God was in the wind in 2 Samuel chapter 5 when David was going to battle against the Philistines. And it says, When you hear the sound of the wind in the mulberry trees, get up and go to battle. God was in the wind in Ezekiel 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. God God was in the wind in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when there came a rushing mighty wind. God was in the wind. But on this day, on this specific time, God was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake. I could go through the scriptures and show you where there's a shaking and God was in the earthquake. And then God wasn't in the fire and I could go through the scriptures and show you where God was in the fire. But on this day, God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake and he wasn't in the fire. On this day, God was in a gentle whisper, a still small voice. God was in a gentle whisper and a still small voice and he heard God. I remember when my wife and I, in Wichita, Kansas, decided we were going to move. We, we prayed about every, we still do pray about every major decision. And uh, buying a new house is a big decision. And the issue with us and God wasn't whether we should move them or not. We already knew the answer to that. The issue was which house we were to buy. Because there's so much at stake when you buy a home and move to a new neighborhood. I don't know if you realize that. There's a lot at stake, and it's not just the house. It's not just the quality of the home. It has to do with the people around you, the neighborhood, the lives you're going to intersect with, the people you're going to touch. And we found this home on a street called Cardinal in an old part of town that had been built in the 50s, and it had a big, giant yard in the back, with a gorgeous swimming pool that was landscaped perfectly. And even though the house was old, we wanted that swimming pool. And so we started real praying, you know, praying real aggressively about the house on Cardinal, the house on Cardinal. Now right at this time, a missionary friend of ours from Mexico came to visit us. And he was just talking about returning to the States and gifts he'd bought for different people. And he pulls out of his sack this red cardinal. This this red cardinal, I'm not kidding you. And my wife and I looked at each other, and we thought, oh, God has spoken to us. We're going to get to buy that house on Cardinal. Well, I have to warn you, when you're listening to God's voice, circumstances aren't a good first option. They can confirm. Every word of God is by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word is confirmed, but circumstances aren't the best well as it turned out we kept praying we were looking for the second word and the third word to confirm this word that we were so sure was from God and in the end the reality is is that that wasn't the word from God and we ended up moving on Mars instead of Cardinal we moved to Mars and uh, on Mars to the best that I can count between 8 and 10 people gave their life to Jesus Christ two of the young people went into ministry, and are actually serving the church today. It was a wonderful place of harvest where we moved. And, but we almost were deceived. It is so easy to miss God when you're listening for his voice. I've got all kinds of scriptures about deception, but I'm not going to take the time to go to them. The bottom line, there is John 10, 3 through 4. It says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice, and they know me. And the way you get to know that voice is by spending time. Find your place. Go stand on the mountain. Get in the presence of the Lord and find your place and get to know his voice. I'm going to run through um, six guidelines just really well. Six guidelines really fast. Guidelines and safeguards for how to hear the voice of the Lord. Number one, you got to be in prayer and posture yourself in a place of humility. Number two... Make sure that what you hear is aligned with the word of God. Number three, let every word be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Number four, this is one of my favorite ones. It comes out of the story of Peter who's struggling to hear God's voice about taking the gospel of the Gentiles because he knows he's going to be in deep trouble with his brothers back in Jerusalem at the church. And Cornelius is sending people to hear from him, and he's, these sheets are coming down out of heaven, and there's all kinds of creepy things in them, and the, the Lord is saying to him, rise up, Peter, slay and eat. And he says, Lord, I'm I'm a good Jew. I have never eaten anything unclean or creeping. And, and finally, it says there in verse 12, Acts 11, verse 12, the Spirit bade me go, nothing doubting. The Spirit bade me go. Now, now that's the old King James. I'm... Don't know if it's up here or not, but not doubting. Okay, then verse 5. Remember, if it has to do with hearing a word from God, if it's a major decision, if it's a life assignment, you're going to change jobs, you're going to choose a person to marry, you're going to move to a neighborhood and a house. If it's a life decision, remember, there's safety in the multitude of counselors. That appears in Scripture over and over and over. And get some godly uh, fathers and mothers in the faith, and run it by them and, and listen to God that way too. If you are giving a word to somebody, if you are the channel through which through whom God is speaking, and you're giving a word to somebody, remember that every word from God should edify and build up. It should strengthen and comfort. it should not tear down or destroy. Now you have a piece of paper next to you and a pen. And I'm going to ask you for the next few minutes, if you would quickly, to shout out to me um, different ways, scriptural ways, and life ways that God speaks to us. All right? Um, and I would like you to write down everything you hear because you should end up with a list of 12 to 15 to 20. Now, actually, the list is in this. It's an infinite list, the ways God speaks to us. But I'm looking for these major categories. So we've heard some of them already today. How does God speak to us? Shout them out. Scripture, Scripture, that's one. Okay, another one. How does God speak to us? Vision, great. Dreams, another one. Now, so far it's Scripture, vision, dreams. How else does God speak to us? Uh, Creation, yes, I love that. Okay, how else does God speak to us? Audibly. I wondered if anybody would say that. Um, I will tell you, I've never heard God's audible voice, but I have heard God speak so profoundly and dramatically that it shook me, and I knew God spoke. Now, you're one of the fortunate ones if you've heard God's audible voice. I believe he does speak audibly. And uh, so there you have it. Who else? How else does God speak? Impressions. Okay. I'm sorry. Peace. Peace. Yes, that to me, that is the la- after you go through the whole list of guidelines and safeguards. The bottom line is if you've heard from God, you will have a deep, settled peace, even if it involves risk. Even if the decision you're making is a huge challenge to you and you're stepping out on the water, you'll still have deep peace in your life. What else? Yes, and I'm going to expand that to say through people. God speaks to us, through, it could be Jesus himself, it could be some follower of Jesus, a disciple. it could be a prophet, it could be anybody operating in one of the gifts of the Spirit, one of those nine gifts of the Spirit. How else does God speak to us? Music, good. Oh, I love that. Um, words of songs, a live concert, Handel's Messiah, <laughs> a Christmas. I mean, God speaks through music, yes. What else? Yes. Now, what I put down here is both audiovisual media like radio, TV, faith-based movies, DVDs, but I also put down print media. You know, Gary, you all remember the name Gary Wyatt? Gary has preached here several times. He's our district director for Western Washington and Open Bible Churches. He pastors what's called Sure House in Tacoma up on the hill. That used to be called Faith Temple about 50 years ago. And I know the man that grew that to a huge church, Dr. C. Russell Archer. And he's passed away. Now, Dr. Archer came to Christ through a printed track. Somebody just handed him a printed track, and it totally changed and transformed. So print media, AV media, nobody said websites yet. I want you to hear this story. In 2004, an Apple executive left and went to work for Global global Media Outreach and presented the gospel. In that first year, 2004, they presented the gospel online to 687,488 people in 191 countries in one day. In that one day, 56,854 people indicated a decision for Jesus Christ. You probably don't know it, but the gospel is progressing faster and people are hearing from God faster through website technology digital technology than you could ever imagine they used they didn't use one website they had multiple websites all with different catchy names like uh, God first or how do i find or or follow jesus or whatever they had multiple websites they had over at that time in two thousand four they had over fifty five hundred trained Uh, GMO missionary volunteers worldwide so they had so like people like yourself can actually train and prepare and you can be a counselor and you can respond to these online inquiries they're always looking for people to that okay fast forward from 2004 to 2010 uh, global media outreach presented the gospel to more than 112 million people and saw more than 15 million decisions for Christ just in that one year. And that's now 10 years old. It's, it's exponentially expanding. God speaks so many different ways. Well, preaching, nobody said preaching. Um, the Bible makes it clear that God speaks through preaching. Uh, angels, nobody said angels. I told you Elijah saw an angel. Uh, miracles, nobody particularly said miracle. But what about a burning bush or a handwriting on the wall or a donkey talking in Numbers 22? These are all ways that God speaks to us, um, and I guess we won't do any more from that. Now, I want you to look at your list real quickly, and I want you to put a check mark or an X by the ones that God has used to speak to you. And I want you to be honest. If If you're here this morning or if you're watching this online, and you say, you know, I'm not sure God's ever spoken to me. You know, that's okay, too. You're a searcher. You're a seeker. You're, you're learning. We're learning together in this laboratory of life with Jesus. But put a check mark, just the ones where you think God's spoken to you. Now, I should warn you in advance where you have a check mark, I'm going to look for 10 second, boy, you got to say a lot in 10 seconds. I want to hear your story. I want you to just stand up where you are and tell your story. Now, the people online... Um, I re- you know, last week we talked about Lindsay's vision that she had while driving a 15-passenger van. It was filled with foster kids. And in that second of time, she knew that they were supposed to have foster kids. Okay, I told you that story in 10 seconds. That's how quickly you're going to have to do it. But let's hear. I want you to encourage and edify the body of Christ as others hear how you are hearing from God. So can you do that for me real quick? Let's spend the next five minutes doing that. Okay. Would you mind taking your mask off while you speak so we can hear? Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Those of you that couldn't hear online, uh, it, it was a word you heard today, right? A word that she heard today in the service. Thank you for that, obedience to the Lord. Who else? I know you're all waiting on everybody else. Okay, go ahead. Mm. You ever wonder how the scriptures were written, inspired by the Spirit, as men and women wrote, as the Spirit led? Wonderful. Hadn't thought of that. Jamie and then Sandy. Thank you. Those of you that are online, Jamie heard from God's voice audibly, and she was in a cave experience, and God spoke to her about the value he had for her and her life. Sandy, wow. Wow, beautiful story. A mother holding a child, and God in an instant spoke to her about this is how I'm going to hold you. That's beautiful. Yes, Katie. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Katie, the uh director of our preschool had a v- dream or vision, a dream of a house off its foundation and God spoke to her about the preschool and the future of the program and and uh it was a emotional experience, wasn't it, Katie? Yes, praise God. I'm going to take just two or three more. Yeah, Casey. By the way, before you say anything, this man that's standing up uh a w- couple weeks ago or something like that, got his finger caught, now this is good, a bad image, but you're going to have a picture in your mind when I tell you, he got his finger caught in a hydraulic wood splitter, and it. Uh, he still has his finger attached, you can see his hands all wrapped up, it broke his finger and lacerated a lot of it, I'm sure there were stitches, but welcome back, we're glad to have you brother, yeah, wow, those of you online, uh wow, Brother Christensen over here, he says he's hearing God through pain. He's hearing God through pain as he's working through that process. A couple more. Somebody? Oh, okay. Is it Judy? Okay. Wow. Wow, Judy. Uh they were doing some landscaping outside the house, and you must have been planning some work for your, your own home. And the Lord said, Do the outside first before the inside. Uh ah. There's some real biblical, biblical stories to support that. Okay, one more. guy he's got another one. He's got to share. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Ben in Eugene, Oregon. God spoke to him. You know, we didn't list on here. We did talk about persons, but we didn't talk about strangers. Strangers can speak a word into your life uh, when you least expect it. Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Call on the Lord. He'll answer you. He'll show you great and mighty things which you didn't intend. The kingdom of God is not in word. It's in power. God wants to speak today. He wants to demonstrate by his spirit. In our midst, when we gather to worship and then out in the highways and the byways of life. Father, thank you for this word today about how to hear from you. If anybody's in a cave experience, we pray that they'll find a place in your presence on the mountaintop, and would you pass by them? Pass by them, Lord. And Father, uh, I remember that while I was in prayer this morning about this service, you gave me a word of knowledge about somebody that's fighting a, a skin disorder, and then Allie confirmed that word in worship when she talked about the C.S. Lewis story and the skin So, Father, in Jesus' name, we speak to that skin disorder to be healed in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you're demonstrating your power in our midst as we hear the word. We remember, Lord, today what Jesus said to John the Baptist's disciples when they said, Are you the one that should come or do we look for another? And Jesus' simple answer was, Go tell John not just what you hear. Go tell John what you're seeing. Blind eyes receive sight, lame men walk, lepers are cured, deaf ears are opened, the dead are raised. Do it in our day, in our time. Revive the church, revive us Send spiritual awakening to our church, to our city, to our county, to our state, and to our nation, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.